Canada's central bank made an announcement today on its key interest rates. Rabina Ahmed Hawk joins the, the show right now. She's our financial expert here on um, the 640 Toronto. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on, Rabina. Thanks for having me. So, what's the what is the latest on the interest rate? Well, they held rates at 0.25%. That's the lowest they have ever been. Um, they cut rates, as you know, emergency rate cuts three times in March. Um, and so there's not very much more that they can cut without going into uh, negative interest rates, which, be, which would be something that they've never done before. Uh, the Bank of Canada Governor Stephen Polos did mention that you know, he, doesn't have, um, he doesn't really see that as the way forward for Canada. It's something that we've never done, and it would be... Um, it would really be uncharted territories. Um, one thing I have to mention is that he did mention how the economy, um, they, they put out their monetary uh, policy report today talking about where they expect the economy to go. And the, the number that I think is the most stark is that they're expecting in Q2, which is the, the, the three months between March and July of 2020, for the economy to contract anywhere from 15 to 30%. Um, just to put in perspective, normally we see the economy expand 1% to 2%. So it's just devastating going forward um, the way that companies are going to be managing and the output that we're going to be seeing slow down in the next few months. The Canadian economy shrank by an estimated 9% in March. You know, we heard that uh, we lost a million jobs this past March. Uh, Stats Canada released that today. Uh, What else can you tell us about their release? Well, I mean, the Bank of Canada today talking mostly about inflation and interest rates, uh, talking about making sure that they can make money available to those people that continue to need to borrow. So what they've done is they've done a bond buyback program where they're buying uh, government bonds and corporate bonds. And essentially what that means is they're making sure that the, the companies and governments have money that they can use. So they're doing this bond buyback program to make sure that there isn't a position, they're not in a position where they don't have the money that they need. So if they need to put more money into more emergency programs, it's possible to do it. If companies need to uh, help their customers out, they have the money to do it. Um, you know, really they're saying this is the sharpest turn in history or sharpest downturn in history. And the contraction has been so sharp and so quick. I mean, just three weeks, the, the one million jobs that you mentioned we saw lost. We're expecting another um, horrible jobs number next month when Statistics Canada puts their job numbers out again at the beginning of, at the, beginning of the month. Um, so, you know, it, this is not just a one-time event. There, there's really, you know, like everybody's been talking about, we really don't see where the end is going to be. And until that happens, we can expect the economy to continue to contract and contract. And that will mean job losses. That will mean businesses closing down permanently, never to be opened again. Already I'm reading stats that one in five small businesses are saying that they probably will not be able to open uh, again, uh, even if the economy was to get going tomorrow. Yeah, and you think about small businesses. They put everything they have into their businesses. It's just a heartbreaking situation that people find themselves in. And, you know, many small businesses look at their employees as though they're extended members of their family. It's you're, it's just it's bleak news. But obviously there are huge GDP drops around the world. I wonder how we're stacking up as compared to other big economies. I mean, he's calling this, you know, structural damage on a global scale for years to come. So there's really, it's really hard to compare how we're doing compared to, uh, you know, the United States or England. And we're definitely doing better than uh, countries that are developing. We're definitely doing better than countries where uh, the, the pandemic has not been able to be controlled, uh, like Italy, like China. I mean, these countries have had much more economic and they will have longer effects 
simply because they've just had so much more damage to their healthcare system. Uh, but, you know, it will be really next year when we look back to say, you know, what countries did it best, what countries were able to manage better. We're definitely doing better than, slightly better than the U.S. when it comes to actual cases. Uh, if you look at just even the rate of cases here are lower than they are in the United States. Uh, but that doesn't mean anything right now. I mean, because until the United States opens up, the rest of the world is not really going to function. And until China is up and running, the rest of the world is not going to function. I mean, even small examples, you know, you try to order something online that we normally expect to come in two, three days. Those items are not available for a month now because they come through a supply chain, and that supply chain has been disrupted. And so it takes longer for those things that you were used to getting, you know, in a two-day two-day delivery to get to your doorstep. Those just small examples of how our everyday lives are being impacted uh, because of what's happening all around the world. The uh, International Monetary Fund says that uh, they see the worst global recession since the 1930s happening during this coronavirus pandemic and that our economy will sh- shrink uh, to uh, 6.2%. Uh, that's scary news. Does any part of the economy stand to gain from this downturn? Is there any silver lining anywhere? I, you know, I, you know, there might be a silver lining that people now have time to work on ideas and maybe uh, uh, business plans that they never had before. There may be some pent up demand when we get out of this. Uh, for items that we have been unable to buy. So that could be cars and big ticket items. Just today, my husband and I were talking how we were in the plans of buying a new fridge, but we're not going to because how do you shop for a fridge right now? So people like us are going to be out there in the markets if we have jobs and money coming in buying those big ticket items. Uh, The problem is, is that until there is a vaccine and until companies can guarantee the health and welfare of their employees, no company is going to open their doors and say, everybody come back, because they don't want to have a sick workforce. They need a healthy workforce that can, that can operate. So going forward, even if the government says, okay, we can get back to somewhat normal, there may be a, you know, a massive difference in the way that we work. So you know, 50% of us working from home, sitting six feet apart when we get to work, not going to conferences, not doing as many one-on-one business meetings. It's going to be a whole new world until we actually feel safe. And the only way we're going to feel safe is when we're vaccinated against COVID-19. I want to ask you about um, our oil industry. Is Canada being hit doubly hard because of the game that OPEC was playing with oil prices? So that's uh, one of the comments that the the Bank of Canada governor made. I was actually just watching the press conference before you called. And um, the the problem is that, you know, because we are a resource-rich nation and we depend so much on the price of oil for our economy, um, that we're hit, be hitting, being hit twice. I mean, we're obviously suffering like the rest of the world because of COVID-19. Our, our small businesses shut down and, and uh, people unable to go to work, and people losing their jobs. And then on top of it, this lower price of oil and what's been going on with OPEC. I mean, our oil industry is decimated. I've, I've seen numbers where they're saying unemployment could plummet to 20 or could rise rather to 25, 30 percent in Alberta because there are so many people who are going to lose their jobs in the oil and gas sector. I mean, at these levels, it's just not uh, it's not profitable for the oil and gas sector in Canada to continue. So they can't they can't continue to make something that they can't even sell it for the, the amount that they, they produced it for. Uh, so, yeah, we're being hit double, one by all the effects of COVID-19 and the fact that oil prices have plummeted uh, because of what's been going on. Rubina, I wonder how much of that, uh, the problem with the oil industry and the fact that, uh, you know, people in Alberta are just beside themselves, led Jason Kenney 
uh, the premier of Alberta to say something like who made uh, Dr. Tam the boss of Canada? You know, I've said this many times, I try not to get involved with politics, but I think right now the people that we need to listen to are the scientists and the doctors. Politicians are going to tell you whatever they need to tell you in order for them to stay in power next time, you know, the the election is, and they're going to make you feel comfortable, and that is their job. That is their job during times of crisis, to stand up in front of the people that they govern and say, this is what I'm going to do to make this situation better. So whatever Jason Kenney or Doug Ford or Prime Minister Justin Trudeau does, that's, that's, you know, that's all politics. But I don't think that we should be minimizing the recommendations of health professionals and scientists right now, because that, that, I mean, that's all we have. I mean, all we have is, um, in, in some cases, I mean, the economy is secondary to people's health and wellness, because we can't go back to a we can't go back to work if people are going to get sick. I mean, that's just that doesn't right. that won't work. Like, that, I mean, you can't have a you can't have a, a disrupted economy either, where every few weeks half the population is in a hospital. I mean, it would that would absolutely be devastating. Uh, Rabina, I want to live on, leave on a, on a good note here, if we can possibly. You're a, per, a personal finance expert, so I'm wondering if is there anything the average person can do to be in a good position for when things open back up. Um, so definitely take this time to do an audit of your life and make sure that, you know, you are um, saving as much money as you possibly can. If you didn't have an opportunity to have an emergency fund, because a lot of people, you know, were living paycheck to paycheck. We talked about it many times before, even the pandemic started, um, didn't have the opportunity to actually save. This is a time maybe you can do a little audit of uh, all your savings. If you've lost your job, take advantage of every single government emergency benefit every single one of them you need to take advantage of it because that is what's going to get you through the next uh, you know six to eight months of this however long this is going to last and um don't take on more debt money is super cheap right now uh as we just talked about at the top you know with the bank of canada having record low interest rates never before uh don't make it worse by taking on more debt i mean it's hard to spend right now as it is but a lot of people are doing a lot of online shopping in order to sort of Mm -hmm. satisfy the boredom get their kids something to do, try to keep that under control because um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you down the road if, if your financial situa- situation uh, weakens even more.